Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic starting now. Well, one of the things I love about doing this show is I get to meet incredible people. And one of those people is Daniel Fusco, who is a pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. And man, they reach so many people. And it's been a legacy church. It came from another man who planted it back in, the, I believe, the 70s. And Daniel's the pastor now, but he has a message that you want to hear today. I, I love his book, Crazy Happy, which just was released at the end of last year. And it's just it, what a time to release a book called Crazy Happy, right? In 2020. But his perspective on the joy of God and living in happiness and just how Jesus is part of the Beatitudes, it, it'll shift you. It'll change your life. But it comes from his rich story of experiencing God himself. He hears from God powerfully as a lead pastor. He's consistently communicating things that I just think are so profound and individualistic, meaning like there's not a lot of people speaking the way he is. He also has Jesus's Real Radio and a TV show called Real with Daniel Fusco. And I encourage you to watch these shows, connect to Daniel. You're going to love this message and just hearing some of his backstory today because there's no one in the world like Daniel Fusco. I promise you that. Hi, this is Shannon from the Bulls team. I want to tell you about an exciting offer for our brand new book, Wired to Hear, written by Sean Bowles and Bob Hassan. It's about connecting God's voice to your life, influence, and career. If you work for a living or run your own business, and you desire to hear God's voice for yourself in the workplace, this is the book for you. Right now, you can pre-order Wired to Hear through BowlesMinistries.com. You'll receive a signed copy a submission for a free grant, and many other exclusive offers only available through bowlsministries.com. Grab your copy today. I am so excited because I have Pastor Daniel on. Daniel, let's talk. Like, let's have a real talk. This is so good. Thanks for being on the show, first of all. I'm honored to be here, man. You are creating ripples with your message and your personality and just Jesus in you especially in some of the themes that you've gone after in, in your book writing and just with your local congregation where you're the lead pastor. It's just like you have been just this message of happiness, joy, coaching people. It's kind of like self-help meets true kingdom theology. And there's a lot of times it's watered down, but it's not watered down. It's super deep. It comes from your story. And you've had a lot of, it sounds like, and I'm only saying this from reading between the lines of the books, Sounds like you've, you've had to overcome a lot to get that place of joy and happiness as well, like in your own life. I want to go there in the story of who you are and how God's just brought you to where you're at. So I don't know where you want to start, but take us on your journey. Well, you know, it's amazing to me because, you know, I'm an all Italian kid from New Jersey. So everybody's <laughs> idea of like the all Italian people from New York, like that's totally my family. So like we, we lived in New Jersey because once my mom and my dad, like I have a twin sister and an older sister. Once they were pregnant with twins, they couldn't afford to buy a house in Brooklyn. So, so they ended up moving out to the sticks of New Jersey. But we had like that whole 
the big, loud family, all the aunts and uncles with lots of makeup. You know, I just like, they would hug you and kiss you and your cheeks would hurt because that would be squeezing you all the time. And so I just grew up around like a, a huge, I always say a suffocatingly loving family, wow. you know, but, but we were culturally Catholic. So like, it was kind of like we would go to church, but we never talked about Jesus. We never talked, you never talked about the things of God at home, but super love, like grandparents and aunts and uncles and aunts and uncles who you thought were, you know, who you didn't realize they weren't really your aunts and uncles, but they were yeah. always around and part of the, part of the family. And so, you know, my, my upbringing was so beautiful. Uh, but what happened was, is because we didn't really talk about the Lord at all, by the time I got into my teenage years, I, I just became a wild kid. I'm a kind of a classic experience seeker, musician. I'm a bass player, both electric wow. and the upright bass. And so, Ooh. you know, so um, for me, it was just, I got crazy. And then in college, the craziness went real crazy. And then my mom got cancer, you Ooh. know? And so in an, you know, in any family, you know, but especially like an Italian family where the mom's like the matriarch, she's yeah. the glue. She was like, industrial grade super glue you know she got sick and then she passed away two years later and really the Sorry. what it was heartbreaking and and um completely um you know it just kind of everything kind of came undone but what was amazing is when my mom was at, in the last stages the very first time i had ever read anything in the bible was my mom wouldn't go to sleep at night uh because she was afraid that if she went to sleep she would never wake up and so I, because I was in college, I was normally up all night anyway. And so she would have me read her Psalm 23, John chapter 14. Wow. And it was my first exposure to like reading the Bible. And so like after her passing, Jesus really invaded my life in such a powerful personal way. I mean, I kind of, kind of growing up within kind of a cultural Catholicism. When I, when I started thinking about the spiritual things, it was the last place that I looked. I was checking out Buddhism and Hinduism and the Hare Krishnas were giving me free vegetarian meals. And when you're in college, <laughs> free food gets the job done, you know? True. But, but then I ended up reading, you know, I had two friends who had come to know Jesus and I had a college professor who challenged me to read uh, the teachings of Jesus. And, and then I started walking with the Lord. And so really all that, you know, I, it's true for all of us that the journey that God has us on becomes the curriculum for some of the ways that God wants to use us. And I see yeah. some of the hardships and tragedies that I've gone through as uh, it was, it was God's boot camp to, to, to grab hold of my life and to be able to really uh, prepare me for the things that he has for me. So, wow. Thanks for telling us just that. I love that you got saved even through your mom's passing, really. I mean, she's kind of a martyr for your faith and for everything you've had legacy wise. And I just think about, you know, you go from some of that which is so disorienting for a young adult to lose that matriarch, to have the changes and transitions in life. And you, you come into Christianity and you start to, to really go for it. Like to, the Christianity becomes not just a definer of your faith, but a definer of your occupation. When did you get into ministry and how did that all happen? Yeah. So like, you know, after college, uh, I moved from my home state of New Jersey out to the West coast uh, mostly because I was going to move into New York City, but you know, good old Frank Sinatra, my honorary Italian uncle, said if you can make it there, you can make it ev anywhere. But as a bass player, I'm like, man, I don't know that I'm ready. So I wanted to move out to the West Coast. I had some friends who lived in the Pacific Northwest, and I was playing uh, music as a, you know as a career, you nice. know, uh, touring and gigging and doing you know recording work and all this stuff. And but I had just come to know Jesus at the end of college, and so like I would wake up in the morning at like eight o'clock and I would read the word and I would journal and I would pray and I would worship. And, um, you know, and very quickly 
God really started to, to work in my life. And I ended up getting plugged into a great church. I mean, I had some church issues kind of from the way that I was raised and some of the things sure. that went on, even with my mom's passing. But I ended up in a church that was, you know, you know what you what I realize now at the time I did, I just knew that the music was good and the pastor <laughs> seemed normal, you know, like, <laughs> like, as opposed to what I what I had experienced before. But as a bass player, it's so funny, a bass player walks into a church, and he ends up on the worship team. So like, yeah, so like I was on the worship team and, uh, and, and God started working in my life. And very quickly, like I would just read what the Bible said. And I'm like, let's go do that. So like, there'd be like this meet and greet time. And it was a pretty big church. And, and I remember I would look around and I would look for who, who isn't, who's sitting there not talking to anybody who mm. looks sad, you know, and I would go over to them and say, Hey, you know, like, Hey, my name is Daniel. I just saw you sitting here. And, you know, I just want to know, like, look, are you okay? Like, you want to talk? Like, can I pray for you? And some of people would be like, uh, no, I don't want to talk. I'm like, okay, well, hey, listen, it's good to meet you. I'll be sitting over there, you know? And other times you'd be like, hey, yeah. And they'd start telling me their story. And wow. I could think of something, you know, that I thought was encouraging to say, I'd say it. And sometimes I'd pray for them. And then all of a sudden the pastor one day, she's kind of looked up. He's like, come here, come here. You know, and I came on over. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? You know? And he's like, he's like, every time we have these meet and greet times, I see you kind of scan around. You look for whoever's not talking to somebody. And like, and then you go talk to them and sometimes you pray with them and, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I don't know. Like Jesus said, you know, and there's got a hundred sheep and one goes straight and you go find them. So I figured that person needs someone to talk to, you know, and he, he got this great smile and he's like, oh, Daniel, you're going to make a great pastor one day. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, bro, I'm going to be on bass player magazine, bro. Like I, I got a plan for my life, but this started happening. And then before I know it, it's like, you know, they're like, hey, you should be a greeter at church. You're already on the worship team. Hey, you should. Then someone's like, hey, you should, you should teach a little Bible study we have. And I'm like, man, teaching a Bible study, like, come on. And uh, But sure enough, you know, uh, dumb enough to trust the Lord. And I mean that with my tongue in, in cheek. I know like it's the most only thing to do is to trust the Lord. Yeah. But I say, okay, yes, Lord. You know, that, that, that constant, like, I'm available, whatever you want, Lord, let's do it. And so taught a Bible study. And then all, everything just started to open up. And before I know it, you know, what I'm realizing is that every time I say yes, like God's got way more yeses in, in his, in his, at his disposal. And all he's looking for is people who would be humble and trusting enough to say, Lord, let's, what do you want to do, Lord? Like, like I'm here. Like, I didn't want to be Jonah. I wanted to be, I wanted, I wanted to be more like Peter and my personality. You know, Peter is like, he was saying yes before he even knew what he was doing. You know, like, you know, like Peter's like, she sees Jesus on the shore in the resurrection and Peter's like jumping out of the boat. Yes. I was like, Hey, we, we can just paddle in. We're going to get there before you peep. But Pete's like swim in. Like I have that kind of a personality. And what I've found is that God is amazing when we're available and willing. God's like, man, like I'll use you. Like, like I'm, I'm looking for people to partner with, to change the world. I think it's so good because so many people who are listening, they, they hear somebody who's successful in their ministry and they're, and they want a formula. They want like, a, you know, give me the steps that it took to get to where you're at. Or they're looking for the Jesus visited you face to face encounter versus I just said, yes, I just kept feeling prompted or I kept feeling the unction of God. And, and I just said, yes. And it just built his story in my life. And I love that because faith is practiced a million ways before it turns into a huge thing. A lot of times before we see the huge transformational, beautiful picture of what it's going to equal. And for me, growing and hearing God's voice has been a practice. Like some people have said, are you just born with a gift? And then God hones it and you become whatever the charismatic circles, a prophet to the nations, you know, like whatever it is. And it's really, it's, it's just practicing connecting to people with God's heart. 
And over and over and over. And I love that in your own life, how you just kept saying yes. And it turns into this incredibly prolific career that if we didn't have your voice, how sad would that be? Like how beautiful is it that God decided to pull you into ministry, even though that wasn't your goal or your ambition. I love that he did that. So, so you become uh, 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 some sort of minister at some point. Like, tell us about that journey. Yeah. So, um, you know, as all this is happening, I'm living, I'm living in the Pacific Northwest, but I'm still playing music as a career. And I ended up moving down to the San Francisco Bay area where everyone goes to become a pastor. Not really, but you know what I mean? But like, so I end up down there and I end up at at a great church. And, uh, and before I know it, I'm just, I I sense the Lord just being like, Daniel, I want to do something different music. It's a gift I've given you. You'll always use it, but I actually created you for something more than that. Was that hard to hear or was that relieving? Was it? painful well so it was it was uh, it was all of those things so what was funny is i had never fasted before so i remember i'm reading in the bible about fasting and i went to my pastor i'm like what's this fasting thing and he's like well it's when you don't eat for a while and you seek god i'm like why would anyone ever want to do that like that sounds crazy to me because like I, I didn't have any background in any of this and, and he's like no no really what you're saying is you're saying god first i need you more than i need the food that i need to stay alive and two, I'm really hungry for you, God. So I, I want to feast on on who you are. So I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm like, so how do you do it? He's like, well, maybe you don't eat for a day. Maybe you skip a meal, you know. And so, so I'm like, okay, I'll do this, you know. And so I, I'll never forget. I'm decide I'm gonna I'm gonna fast. I got my journal and my Bible. And so I wake up in the morning, and uh, and it's great for like an hour. But I I haven't sk- I'm all Italian. I haven't skipped a meal ever. Like food's a love language. And so by 11, 11:30, I'm not just hungry. I'm hangry. Like I'm like dying, you know, like I'm like, I don't even know what to do. And so I did what any self-respecting person did. I took a nap. I'm like, I can't handle this. I'm gonna take a nap, you know, and I, t- and I, take a nap. A- I think those go together. It's perfect. Yeah. So I took a nap. I woke up at about 1:30, and I was still hungry, but I wasn't like, splitting headache and all this and all of a sudden by about three o'clock god just starts speaking to me wow you know starts speaking to me about uh, who who he made me to be and 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 the lord really started to, to to reveal to me not only the who i had been and why i had been that way but who he made me to be and he said daniel you've always only ever wanted to connect with people mm. and, and and then and then i said i'm like and so he's like, I've called you to the ministry of the word. I've called you to preach, but I've called you to do it differently because the way that you're wired, the, your experiences, you know, like people are listening to this, but like, you know, I, like I have waist length dreads, you know, and, uh, and people all the time, they're like, what do you do? Are you a musician? You, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a pastor. And they're like, you're not a pastor. <laughs> pastors don't look like that. I'm like, what do you think pastors look like? They're like, well, not like you. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I am a pastor, you That's know? Awesome. And so so, uh, and he started to really just speak, you know, uh, the truest things about me, my, my deepest identity in Christ. And so I took the step of faith, not knowing how it was all going to work, but, but being really sure, like, okay, God's in this. And I remember like in my family, nobody really loved the fact that I was a musician for a living. Yeah. The only thing worse than being a career musician was being a, <laughs> a pastor. <laughs> Everyone was like, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. So, you know, I went from, and then I got apprenticed uh, at this church and I started as an intern and then I became like a, a, a student ministries pastor and then I became an assistant pastor. And then after a couple of years, I got sent out and I started planting churches. So I planted a church in my home state of New Jersey and I planted a ch- two churches in the San Francisco Bay Area, one in the city and one just outside in Marin County, California. Wow. And, then about, and then about 10 years ago, I got invited up here just north of Portland, Oregon to Crossroads to take over for... Uh, our founding pastor, Bill Ritchie, who was 
you know, God is used in such a powerful way uh, as like the, t- you know, to, to establish uh, an anchor church in the Portland metro area in the 70s. And so I've been the lead pastor here now for about eight years. I mean, that's wild. I love that you you had just, I'm just going back to it because I've only planted one church and it was, it was blood, sweat and tears and took six years of a lot of pain, but we loved it. I mean, I loved everything I did. 10 years in, I gave it over to my best friends who had planted it with me and they're now the senior pastors. They're killing it. They're doing so good. Like they, and they have that, that fortitude. So you going right into church planting and then lead pastoring, I just can't even imagine that journey and what it took, the sacrifice and just the whole thing. But in the midst of that, a message began to form. It's one of your main messages. And let's talk about it a little bit because it goes into, and you can define it way better than I can because I only have, I've only written through the, read through the books. But uh, talk about your message. Well, I mean, so I have the, the foundation for everything that I like to talk about is that life is messy and Jesus is real. So it's like, I, like, and I, I said that there, there are two inalienable, there are truths that we all realize that one is that life is not what we would expect it to be, but that Jesus is real and present in the midst of our mess. And so yeah. I think we have a tendency, like when things are good, we're like, yay, Lord. And when everything's bad, we're like, oh no. And it's like, no, no, yay, Lord still happens when, when street level is a dumpster fire. Like yeah. Jesus, Jesus said, he's like, lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. You know, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so we have a tendency, like when we're on the, when, when we're wearing the victor's crown in, in our thing, we're like, the Lord's with me. And when we're totally humiliated and we're picking ourselves off the ground, we think, oh, where's God right now? It's like, no, no, he's here. He's, yeah. he, he's yeah. working through this. And so from that, then really what God has really brought me into is that um, the people of God should be the, the happiest people who have ever lived. Now I get that Psalm 144 verse 15 says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And so I like to always tell people that, you know, sometimes in church, and I've made this mistake too, being like, man, God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. And I'm like, well, no, no, he does want you to be happy, you know? And like a holy person is not a grumpy person. I like to tell people grumpy Christians are bad missionaries. Oh, they're terrible. It's like, nobody ever said, man, that person is so angry, so grumpy, so mad at everybody. I want to worship Jesus like they do. Like no one ever says that. But when, when a believer is walking through this world as salt and light with the joy of the Lord in their hearts, there is something so countercultural and unique. Even mm-hmm. like you think about, we're talking about this in 2021 as the, the craziness of 2020 is still kind of happening in a brand new year. Yeah. You know, it's, it, we want the people of God to embody the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And totally. when that happens, man, it opens up crazy doors. Well, it's funny. I was watching TikToks with my wife, I think last night, and there was a bunch of them in a row that came on. And it was young people, probably like 22, 23 and they were all like falling into pools or whatever. And they were saying, I'm sick of living through historic events. Can we be normal again? And there's this place where culture right now is tired and cranky and traumatized. And so I love that your message, like in the midst of that is like, but Christianity makes a difference. It actually changes your metrics internally and externally. Like there's something about that place. Like my wife for a little while was going to do um, some stand-up comedian stuff. And so we did some Stuff here locally was really because we have a lot of stand up friends here, or even go to the church locally. And um, and she was just having fun at it. She's naturally the funniest person I've ever been around. And so even if we're in an argument, she somehow at the right point that you could turn it changes it, grounds it in humor. And it's such a gift she has to where like I can't be mad, I can't be grumpy, I can't stay where I'm at. 
And I find that Chris Rock said, you know, when you have humor in your life or joy, you can talk about anything. You can talk about politics, racism, everything else. But if you're just talking about it at face value with contrary belief systems, you can't bring it to the table because people just get mad. And so not only is joy important, but but humor and even seeing things like I love how when when you study the theology of the Bible, how God is sarcastic, he's funny, he makes fun of prophets. He's so brilliant. And I think a lot of people don't know God this way. So they they fit him into a box of that seriousness. And they think that that's how they're supposed to be. And yet there's this like joyful journey that I think is available to us as Christians that you've defined really well through your messages, through your books. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, like I always like to tell people that, you know, it's, happiness gets kind of a bad rap in our culture. It almost is talked about it in like a superficial way because it's our trivial. culture looks yeah. at it that way. But like, you know, what I realized was that, you know, Jesus's most famous sermon was the Sermon on the Mount. And maybe his most famous section in the Sermon on the Mount is the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. And in the Beatitudes, there's these nine statements of the blessed person or the blessed person. And that word in the Greek language, makarios, literally means, oh, how happy is the person? Oh, you know, and so it's like, it's like, wait, his most famous teaching 2000 years ago is about what the happy person is like and i'm like oh cool why isn't anyone talking about this you know and then you know what was amazing is is what happened for me is i i discovered this at a time when i was feeling kind of crispy like that's the word i use for what i was feeling brittle like everything was going good jesus is good my bride is good i got great kids god is doing amazing work in the ministry books are coming out you know there's tv shows and radio all this stuff there's social media and i'm like man this is crazy how like how did i get to do this but i was feeling tired i was like skidding into a family vacation and i remember like man i just need to soak in the beatitudes and 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 i was just journaling about this and think and and seeking the lord and be like lord what am what am i missing in this and about four days into this my add my frisky nature kind of kicked in and i'm like wait there's nine beatitudes isn't there nine fruit of the spirit as well and i kind of hustled on over to galatians 5 22 and 23 and i'm like there's nine of them i'm like i wonder what happens if i line them up you know what i mean and so i just took a beatitude and like and i and i didn't mix the order up to make it make sense i'm like you know god's word is inspired he knows what he's doing so i'm like the first beatitude, the first fruit of the spirit, second beatitude. And I started journaling. So I'm like, cool. oh, this is just, this is golden. Like so cool. they, they fit together so perfectly. And what I realized is that what God wants to do in all of our lives is he, first, he wants to redeem the concept of happiness from our culture, the trivialness, the superficiality. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want to give you my vision for human happiness. And once we catch that reframe, you know, and I talk about this in, in the book, Crazy Happy, yeah. you know, where it's like God's plan for happiness is surprising. It's come from crazy places, but that reframe now changes everything because now I move into the world with the, the, the lens, the goggles of the spirit now to see happiness the way God intended it, not the way our culture peddles it so that we buy stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, now I can move through the world and I'm like, oh, the Lord is doing amazing things. Like it's just changed my whole perspective. And I'm just like, I just want everyone to get this heavenly, eternal, Jesus-centered perspective and vision of what happiness is. Because you, you learn things like, you know, like blessed are the poor in spirit. Like nobody says, like you, you want to be happy? Happiness is on the other side of humility. Like pride is the enemy of our happiness. So good. Man, I'm just thinking about um, a book I re- read years ago, and I can't remember the guy's name, you might know, D- Deepak Shakur or something like that. 
where it's the happiest people on earth. And he's the one who founded the Full Gospel Business Association. And for those listeners who are familiar with it, and he came from the Armenian genocide to America as it was happening and wrote this book, The Happiest People on Earth, because him and his people heard from God to plant businesses and create wealth so for the, because their people are going to be sustained and not destroyed. And I live in LA by the Armenian community, which is a beautiful community of people who now are in the millions again. They were almost destroyed. They're in the millions again, very much like Israel, like Jewish people. And I just think of like his book, like, like he's talking about happiest people on earth from the people who were coming out of genocide and began, began to thrive. That's a Kardashian family, other families who are even relatives of his. And you just think of like, wow, God, like that joy of the Lord is our strength works in any situation. It works in, you know, we go to, I go to third world countries. Sometimes we go to pretty crazy places. We have schools and war zones and, and you find joy in dumps where there's kids who don't have a home. You find true joy. You find like, you find moments of beauty of God's brilliance in places. And so I love that you're talking about this because the sustainability of life in a walking out with God has to be sustained by that strength of joy where it just doesn't work. So I want you to take me to one place that was really hard for you to experience God's happiness, quote unquote, or joy, and how you overcame that. Well, so, you know, as a pastor, I feel honored to be a pastor, but as a pastor, I walk with people through some of the most beautiful moments of their lives and some of the most horrendous moments of their life. Yeah. And so I remember when I had first gotten to Crossroads, it was about seven or eight years ago, you know, uh, and Crossroads is a really large church, but, you know, so I have, you know, I'm on a staff with 12 pastors and, you know, and, and my primary job is, is teaching and vision, you know, but, uh, you know, you, you, you become close to different people. And I'll never forget, there was a young couple and, uh, and she was pregnant and they had had three kids before. And this was a, a, a pregnancy that was in a lot of trouble. You know, uh, there was just all these, uh, health issues and, and the doctors were like, listen, you know, like, this is not like this pregnancy is not viable, Wow. you know, and, and I'll never forget it because they were heartbroken and they, and they reached out and, and they're like, you know, we really believe we're supposed to bring our, our, our son to term and, 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 and however long we get with them, that's going to be fine. And so sure enough, as the time is drawing closer, their very close friends were also in the hospital room across the hallway sure. with a very similar type of situation, different diseases, but like crisis. And I'll never forget that they called me up and they said, Pastor, can you just come to the hospital? It was like a Sunday night. I preached three times in the morning and, and, and I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'll be over there. So I grabbed another one of my, pa one of our pastors and, and we were just over there and I, we were literally just moving diagonal across this, this hospital corridor wow. going into these two young, beautiful families who, who the, the birth of, in one case, a son, in one case, a daughter is supposed to be the most beautiful moment, you know, the joy of having children. And in both of them, there's nurses and everywhere and doctors everywhere and there's machines everywhere. And I remember in the midst of this, and this must've went on for about four hours where we're literally praying, seeking the Lord. We're praying with family. We're, we're, we're ministering to doctors and nurses. And it's just like, it's madness. And in the midst of this, at one point, I'm like, I got to go use the restroom. And I went into the, the restroom stall and just started weeping. Wow. Just like, I'm, I'm heartbroken. Cause like I got three kids and I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm, and I'm seeing what's going on. And I realized that, you know, uh, one of these children is, is going to go home to be with Jesus and soon. And the other one, we're not really sure, yeah. you know, and I just started weeping. And I remember I was just heartbroken 
And then the Lord reminded me of the second beatitude. Oh, how happy are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Wow. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, so God's plan for happiness involves grieving. Wow. And I was reminded like Jesus wept at Lazarus tomb. And before I knew it, I was being strengthened in the midst of the broken. Cause I know death's wrong. I mean, I read my Bible, you know, Jesus conquered death. Like, you know, there's going to come a day when death, it's going to be completely eradicated. You oh. know what I mean? Every tear is going to be wiped away from every eye. Right. So I know that death is wrong, but, but the Lord says, Daniel, but even on this side of eternity, I redeem death too. And I have a purpose in all of this. And so when I started to realize that, oh man, like these, these momentary light afflictions are but for a moment. And the sufferings wow. of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in the children of God. Like as the apostle Paul said, now all of a sudden I'm getting strengthened and then I'm able to go back into these rooms now, you know, not full of, not full of arrogance, but full of, you know what? God's got a plan in this. And, and, and before I knew it, you know, God met me in my sadness and my brokenness. And by his word and by his spirit, he ministered to me so that I can go back into caring for folks. And not because I'm like the, the, the best, wisest pastor, but now all of a sudden I got, I got the perspective yeah. that, you know what, this, this is hard, but God. Yeah. And that just made all the difference. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I love just that whole foundation of where you're coming from. I just think it's so important. I have one more question before we end our interview. And I know I didn't prepare you for this, but one of these we're talking about in uh, 2021, so many people have been disappointed with prophecy and prophetic ministry, because there's been a lot of weirdness in all kinds of things, whether it's politics, entertainment, you know, we have some celebrities who've heard from God, quote, unquote, and then they go on to make the worst decisions in their lives. We have prophets who prophesy about the elections that didn't happen these kinds of things. So what we're asking our guests to do is just, to, we're asking a simple question. Of, is there ever a time that somebody gave you a word or that you walked something out that didn't work out the way you felt like God spoke to you? And how did you recover from it? Or what did God do through it? Yeah, so uh, I've gotten lots of words that I wanted to come to pass uh, that didn't. One of the things that God really ministered to me on is first, never despise prophecies. Yeah, That's like, like, like that's foundational. Like we, like, even though people are going to get stuff wrong. Like, like I always tell people that as a pastor, thank God people aren't listening to the first messages that I preach. You know what I mean? And so, so we have this tendency, like, you know, pastors are allowed to grow in that pastor teacher gift, but it's like prophets. It's like, you have to like, you know, you have to be hitting home runs every time. And it's like, no, no, no. it's like Elijah, Elijah had the school of the prophets and Elisha kept that school going because we need to grow in it. So even, and, and sometimes well-known prophetic people are going to get certain things right and wrong. So, so never despise it. But the second thing that I always like to tell people is that one of the big mistakes we make with prophecy, and it happens all through our Bibles, is that we assume we understand what it means. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, as caretakers of the scriptures with the scribes, they knew all the prophecies of the Messiah, but when the Messiah came, they got it completely wrong. Totally. You know, and so in the same way, it's like I have to every time I hear a prophetic word, um, I need I, I, I write it down, but I always try never to assume that I know what it means. And let me tell you a story about this. Uh, a number of years back, a, a person who, who had been very instrumental in guiding me prophetically in my life called me up one day and gave me like a word that was just like super weird. You know, he was like, listen, I got this word from the Lord that you are going to be given a barge. Okay. 
And God is going to use this barge to, to, to impact hundreds of thousands of people, and you're going to get a million dollars. And I was just like, oh, okay. Cool. And, and, and so for, for 15 years, nothing. And, and this just happened to me recently. And then about a year ago at church, I shared this as an example of a prophecy that I had received that never came to pass. And I had someone in our congregation, prophetic person, said, hey, Pastor Daniel, I got a word for you. And, and she's like, me and my husband were praying. Crossroads, we always said crossroads is a big barge, the church. Mm. And she's like, and you received a barge. And she's like, I don't know about the million dollar gift, but she's like, I'm pretty sure that you've gotten a seven figure gift for Crossroads at some point. I'm like, we totally have. And so like the whole time I thought this was like a failed prophecy. I thought, I'm like, I'm thinking about a boat. Like I'm like a literally like, like on the Columbia river, this wow. big boat barge. It's like, interpretation my, 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 I tried to make it mean something that I did. And so I took that. I'm like, I, all of a sudden I stopped and she's like, can we pray for you? I'm like, yes. You know, and so, the, so, so this husband, they lay hands on me and they pray like, Lord, is this like, we believe that this is from you. And sure enough, the next morning, the Lord's like, Daniel, that was totally what I was talking. I'm talking about where you are right yeah. now. Not a boat. It's, it's, it's the cruise ship of the people of God on mission with Jesus that we call crossroads. And I always tell people like when I was a church planner, it's like a speedboat. I could turn that thing on a dime. Oh, man, this big church, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a cruise line. I got to turn it by degrees. <laughs> I've been using this example for years, not even so putting true. it all together. And I was like, oh, so the problem was what I assumed the prophecy to be, not necessarily the prophecy itself. And I think biblically, all through the history of the people of God, this is something that I'm always trying to keep my eye on. And that also keeps me encouraged to keep sharing prophetic words and to keep receiving them, but making sure that I'm never uh, assuming that I understand exactly what it's going to mean. No, I so appreciate the word you gave me right before we started. And I love your passion for the prophetic and just your, your, your um, understanding of human process in the midst of God is just so invaluable. How do people get a hold of you? How do they get your books? I want everyone to be able to go to your website. What is it? So yeah, if people are looking for me. You can find me at uh, danielfusco.com. And if you put me in Google and all the social places, you'll find me there. And uh, my book, Crazy Happy, you can get wherever you like to buy books paperback, hardback, audio book. Oh, you got on Kindle, ebook, all that stuff. Well, thank you so much for just investing into our listeners today. And I know you have your radio show and your church streams or services. So I'd encourage everybody who wants to hear more from Daniel to go there and just be involved because this is such a profound, relevant right now message. Thanks for being on today. Thanks so much, Sean. I appreciate you, man. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transcend God Mentoring, where you receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com 
with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more. Or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening. Thank you.